You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus, Alan Schneider, and Brandon Jaggers. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm your host, C.C. Broadus, and I'll be joined a little bit later by Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers. So with Breeders' Cup just a handful of days away, you really need to start putting in your major homework and your research because there's a lot to do. There's a lot of races and a lot of horses to cover. And for that very reason, we decided to invite Vance Hansen from brisnet.com and twinspires.com to join us and talk about uh, a specialty of his, the the European horses. And, and if you're like me at all, I just can't cover every single horse. I know a, a lot of these European horses, but I don't know all of them. So I think you're going to find that Vance Hansen's a fountain of information. And, and I would invite you to not only listen to the podcast, but pull out a notepad and a, and a pen and, and start taking notes because I think those notes are going to come in handy on Friday and Saturday. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Vance Hansen from Sunday evening. Afterwards, me and Alan and Brandon will cover the uh, Friday races at Keeneland on Breeders' Cup Day, and hopefully we'll give out a few winners as well. Here's Vance Hansen. Okay, so with the Breeders' Cup, Breeders Cup coming up in the next six days here, we've got a, a huge puzzle to solve. And uh, one, of the, one of the pieces of that puzzle is the, uh, the addition of the Euros. They'd always ship in from uh, England and France and Ireland and whatnot. And, they, and this year we're going to try to try – to, reach out to a, to a guy that I, that I know follows European racing and, and he's definitely got an expert eye, uh, on, on those horses that are, that'll be racing this Friday and Saturday. And that's, uh, that's Vance Hanson, uh, of, of Brisnet. Uh, Mr. Hanson, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you this evening. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. All right. So, uh, first of all, I, I want to ask you a question. I, you started out with a daily racing format. Is that where you started your career or, or, or was it something prior to that? Uh, when I was in college, I did a couple of summers uh, in the press box at Canterbury Downs in Minnesota. But yes, uh, my first full-time position in the industry was with the uh, daily racing form uh, starting back in 1999. 1999. Okay. I, I know I, I've seen your name way back, but that, you you were probably fairly young when you got into you broke into daily racing form, right? Oh yes, I was uh, 22. 22, oh, wow. yeah. I, I I know you're not you 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 you're probably pretty close to our age right now. So that that yeah, you you broke in uh, really early in your career. So you're working for Brisnet now. You 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 do some uh, handicapping, and write some articles for them. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, we uh, I'm part of their editorial department. I moved there from the form in 2008. And uh, we kind of cover editorial uh, copy for three different websites. We have Brisnet, we have the Twinspires.com blog, which I do a lot of handicapping for, and also I do some for the for KentuckyDerby.com. So uh, lots of different platforms uh, over at uh, CDI. Okay, well, that's cool. Uh, so do you do you wager on European racing? I know you you follow it to some extent. I, I know you've done some uh, some blurbs for Twinspires on some uh, recommended wagers and whatnot do you do you, do you what's your extent uh, of knowledge with uh, with the euros i've been following uh english racing in particular because uh since that's uh, the pr- 
we carry that at twinspires.com. Uh, I've been following English racing pretty closely for 10, 15 years now. And, and I do love to uh, have a punt, so to speak, on English racing, particularly their major races and fixtures and festivals over there. So uh, from the time of the uh, before the 2000 guineas, their, their flat season starts in April all the way through the end of October. I'm keeping an eye on that as well as the domestic scene. Have you ever visited any of those tracks in Europe? I actually did go over to England uh, two years ago, uh, took in racing at Sandown, uh, kind of a run-of-the-mill card, but then I also uh, attended Doncaster for the St. Ledger in 2018, so I got to see some nice horses over there. got to see Kew Gardens win the St. Ledger and uh, Too Darn Hot win the Champagne Stakes, which was – so it was an incredible thrill to finally get to see some uh, racing in that country. What's the biggest difference you would you would say maybe between uh, other than I know they 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 run opposite of what we run here but you know just for a fan from a fan's point of view what's the difference between American racing and European racing if you're attending the races? Um, in England, uh, there's definitely a drinking culture <laughs> associated <laughs> with uh, attending the races in England. I mean, when I went to Sandown, I, it was unbelievable walking around the grandstand and seeing how many different and bars they had in, in, in there and uh doncaster was just almost like a huge drinking party on saint ledger day i i kind of jokingly told friends and colleagues that uh, uh walk trying to navigate around doncaster on saint ledger day was almost like attending the kentucky derby it was just uh, shoulder to shoulder it was very tough getting around and then as far as the uh the people having a, a lot of uh, beer and stuff i mean it was almost like the keeneland drinking culture to the 10th degree to the 10th power almost so uh, uh it, it was, but it was like i said it was an incredible experience and and the sporting and, and it's great sport watching uh, a lot of the you know, best horses in the country compete on that day brandon sound like you would fit in at Doncaster. i wondered if somebody was going to say that but yeah <laughs> since it's sunday and a school night i'm 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 staying safe until uh friday until i <laughs> pop my first uh beverage <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's dive in. I want to work uh, backwards. I want to start with the turf and, and and spend more time on the Saturday races. I want to start with the Breeders' Cup turf. Uh, uh, Vance, I'm just going to name off a horse. I'd like to get your thoughts. Uh, first one I want to talk about, is, of course, is the uh, probably the, the the favorite in the race is going to be magical for Aiden O'Brien and the and the Coolmore guys. This is a daughter of uh, Galileo, and two years ago she she ran enabled to three quarters of a length here at Churchill. And now she, she didn't come here last year, but now she's here in 2020. Uh, you know, is she's about as hickory as a Mary as you can find. Uh, Vance is, is this the, uh, is this possibly a single in the, in the late pick four? I wouldn't go that far. I mean, she's definitely the horse to beat in her form since that Breeders' Cup turf two years ago has just been impeccable. Um, I think she ran into ground at, in the arc last year that was just a little too soft and heavy for her when she ran fifth, beaten 10 lengths. Uh, she was kind of a long shot that day, I assume, based on the ground. And then uh, last time she she ran in the champion stakes at Ascot just a couple of weeks ago and Finished a decent third. The ground was against her on that day too. Um, yeah, like I said, her form is just rock, like is rock solid coming into this race. I think, you know, I kind of wonder at the advanced age of five now whether she is possibly starting to show signs of uh, 
kind of tailing off just a little bit based on that race at Ascot last time. So I'm not willing to stick my neck out with her as a single like I uh, did with Enable a couple of years ago. Okay, let's go to uh, the the second year over here I want to talk about is Lord North. I, I think this horse, I, I don't know what to do with him. He might be over bet here. He, he, he finished way back in the uh, British Champion Stakes, what was that, maybe two two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. And, and before that, he was beaten by Gayoth and Magical at uh, York. Uh, but, you know, before that, though, he won the Prince of Wales Stakes. And that, you know, he beat Adeb and Barney Roy. Those are two nice uh Nice older horses, but uh, where does Lord North fit into the to the turf going a mile and a half? Right? Well, yeah, for the first time in his career. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tough ask, I think. Stepping up uh, if you haven't done that before. Uh, trainer John Gosden pretty much blamed the state of the ground at Ascot for his uh, uh, poor show a couple of weeks ago, and then his third in the Judmont International behind Gaioth. Gaioth obviously just had a huge pace advantage. There was no real other speed in that, and so that affected Magical and Lord North as well. Um, I don't know if Lord North is as good as or is as good as Magical to be honest, and. Uh, like you said, stepping up to a mile and a half for the first time, uh, I, he he would be on the lower rungs of exotics for me if I was going to use him. All right, let's talk about uh, a raider from, uh, well, she's raced in France, her last two starts. This is Tarnawa. Tarnawa was last seen on Art Day where she won the Prix de l'Opera over Alpine Star. Is I assume she's going to go in the turf. I, I think she's cross-entered in the or pre-entered in the uh, Philly and Mare turf as well. Uh, what 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 do you think about Tarnawa? Now she she raced on uh, the ground was really really soft on Arc Day. Is, is you know is is this something that you know racing on firmer ground here in in America? Is this something that uh, maybe she's up against it? She's won she's won seven out of thirteen lifetimes, so she, obviously she's talented. Yeah, I th- I think the state of the ground i think is just going to be no problem for her no matter what the condition is at keeneland uh, next weekend um this is now when you talked about whether magical was a single or not i said no because i think this filly has got a lot of potential that she hasn't displayed yet and i would seriously Mm. consider her uh, being a possible uh, top selection in this race Um, undefeated this year in three for three and she beat a very good field in that Prix de l'Opera. Alpine Star is uh, one of the top fillies in in Europe, three-year-old fillies in Europe. And she showed just a, such a wonderful closing kick to win that uh, race on the arc undercard. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this filly is just getting really good at the right time. And I, I would seriously consider if she's, you know, in the four to one to six to one range, I think she uh, could be uh, one to beat. Who's taking the mount on this horse? Um, I'm not quite sure. Possibly yeah. Sumian. I haven't been keeping. Unfortunately, over. Yeah, we're we're recording this on Sunday evening, so I guess uh, post draws will be on Monday, so we'll we'll know for sure uh, tomorrow evening. But uh, let's talk about a horse I'm really interested in. This is Mogul. It's the son of Galileo out of a Dane Hill mare, and this is a three-year-old, an improving three-year-old. I really enjoyed his run at Longchamp in the Grand Prix de Paris last time. He won by two and a half lengths, and then he was really powering home late. Uh, any thoughts on Mogul? 
you know, he's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde so far this year. He's kind of disappointed in a few races where he was favored, like in the King Edward the Seventh at Ascot and the uh, Great Voltiger at York. But like you said, that uh, Grand Prix de Paris performance was uh, very impressive, and the the form of the race worked out really well in Swoop and Gold Trip, both finished in the top four in the in the arc on heavier ground. So uh, uh, that's a good piece of form Mogul has coming into this race. And uh, I know he was a late scratch from the arc. All of the O'Brien horses had to withdraw from the card that day. So we weren't exactly able to see how he uh, was going to stack up in, in Europe's championship event. Um, I think Mogul's inconsistency, I think, is a bit of a negative for me personally. but for fans of Coolmore and Aiden O'Brien, I think you're going to get a good price on this horse going into the race. But uh, com- compared to Magical and Tarwana, I would take the Phillies over him. And finally, uh, another Philly, uh, uh, Medaille, uh, trained by John Gosden. This is a daughter of Frankel out of a gone West mare. And, and she was last seen in the uh, – Philly Mare Stakes on British Champions Card Day uh, finished behind a really nice filly named Wonderful Tonight. Uh, where does she fit into this uh, puzzle? You know, if the state of the ground were going to be softer and heavier than what looks like it's going to be forecast, it looks like we're in for a nice dry spell this coming week. You know, I'd give her a, I'd give her a look maybe for the lower rungs of the exotics, but. Uh, you know, she's only had the two runs this year. She obviously needed the one last time. But that being said, I don't think she quite has the class to compete against some of the ones that we've already discussed, just looking at her past performances over the last two years. So uh, I, she's a, I would give uh, Lord North more of a look among the two Gosden horses here. And before we uh, turn the page on the turf, uh, can any of the Americans stand up to the Europeans here, maybe the horse like Arklo or, or uh, United? Um, I wouldn't think so, um, just based on pure form. Uh, you know, Channel Makers run two excellent races uh, in, the, in his last couple of starts in New York, and you know he's, you know he's going for the lead, although he is a, uh, he's a bit of a well-known commodity at the Breeders' Cup. He hasn't performed well <laughs> in the turf the last couple last couple of tries so uh but he might actually get the kind of ground that he might prefer uh, next week and a little bit of a give but not a whole lot uh you know compared to what he encountered a couple years ago at churchill so never say never but i think the europeans i think this is one of their best shots this race in particular is one of their best shots uh, of the weekend all right alan or brandon you have any questions about the bruce cup turf for for vance Oh, no, I think you covered things yeah. pretty thoroughly. Answered yeah. a few of my questions, to be honest with you. So we can move on. I mean, that, that's pretty thorough. Yeah, I'm making my uh, notes as we go here. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's work backwards. I want to talk about the a race that really just I, I can never get a grasp on anymore, and that's the Breeders' Cup Mile on turf. Uh, this race, to me, it's wide open. There's there's a many, many different ways you can slice this pumpkin. And, uh, Vance, let's talk about first uh, – the uh, three-year-old colt from uh, from England, uh, Camaco, who just won the Joel Stakes at Newmarket last time. Uh, I, I went back. I've watched this race twice now, and I, I can't tell if uh, maybe he's struggling with the ground or, or it, it, you know, this is his. That was his fifth start of the year. It, is 
maybe uh, maybe he's a little bit over the top. I didn't know what to expect out of the horse. What, what, what are your thoughts on Cameco? Uh, he won the 2000 guineas right off the bat uh, to start the season. A very good performance. Um, it wasn't the strongest guineas uh, historically that we've seen. And then he's got stepped up in distance over the summer. And he kind of pretty much proved that he wasn't a mile and a half type in the der- in the Derby or a mile and a quarter type in the Judmont International. Um, fourth in the Sussex Stakes at Goodwood. I think that's a pretty good indication of where he stacked up uh, against the best, the better milers in Europe this summer. And like you said, he won the Joel Stakes last time at Newmarket. I think that was a, a good effort. I think he was carrying, because he was a former Group 1 winner, I think he was carrying more weight than some of his older rivals in that race. So 131 pounds in that race. So. It was a good comeback effort for him. Um, I don't think he's the best uh, European miler uh, this year. And, you know, to me, almost kind of looks like a new market horse for the course, which is a straight mile over there compared to two turns here. I, I'm just con- I'm in the mood to fade on him. Okay, let's, let's talk about Siskin uh, for Judmont, trained by Gerard Lyons. I'm not real familiar with him. Uh, he was uh, looking back at his past performance. He was fourth in the Prix de Milan behind Persian King and Pinatubo at Longchamp. And then prior to that, finished third in the Sussex. And then prior to that, looks, yeah, he won the Irish Irish 2000 Guineas. Uh, where does this horse uh, fit amongst the, the best uh, in the mile this year? At his, on his best day, I think he would fit in this particular spot. Um, I think the, the problems with him in the Sussex stakes where he ran third and fourth in the Prix de Milan – is, uh, those were his only two starts outside of Ireland, and I know he acted up beforehand in both races uh, at the gate. You know, so he he's a horse that kind of is a bundle of nerves, obviously when he's on the road, and so that gives me cause for pause. Uh, he's actually stopping over here in Kentucky to compete in this race on his way to Japan to uh, start stud duty, and uh, I don't know if this race was always on the radar for for the connections um this is almost maybe like uh, i don't, I don't want to say afterthought that's kind of too strong of a word but it almost seems like that a little bit uh sending him for this race so if he if he acts okay in the paddock and doesn't act up in the uh, preliminaries uh, yeah i would give him a look but uh, you just don't know what you're going to expect from him now, the mayor, one master, raced at Churchill two years ago in the Breeders' Cup Mile. She finished fifth, just beating the length by expert eye uh, that year. Now, she's raced a lot of times since then. Her, her, her latest start, well, she's ran twice in October, finished uh, third, beating a half a length in the uh, British Champion Sprint. And then the, prior to that, she ran or she won the Prix de la Forêt, uh, and she beat another uh, – uh, Euro contender and safe voyage. What what are your uh, what are your thoughts on one master? She's a six year old mare, and you know she she fits. It's just a matter of the uh, maybe class on her. Uh, maybe a little bit. Um, she didn't get the best of trips when she ran in the mile here a couple of years ago at Churchill, uh, and you know she's as much as magical, although not of the same class. She is definitely a hickory type mare uh, for sure. Um, the champion sprint last time was over six furlongs. I think she's really a seven furlongs uh, type over in Europe. And I think she can get a mile in this country. And 
But you know, if you look through her past performances, I mean, her major victories have been in have been in, come in the Prix de la Forêt, which is a, a seven furlong event at Longchamp on the Arc undercard. She's won it three years in a row. Uh, that hits her squarely uh, uh, between the eyes. Uh, that particular race, that trip. Um, I think of the European horses. I, I in this race, I think she's probably the most dependable. Uh, to give you a good run for your money, so yeah, I'd I'd throw her in the exotics. Uh, I'd be a I'd be slightly surprised if she won though. Well, I think that's asking a lot of a six-year-old mare to run three times in you know in a thirty-day period. So, but you know, like you said, I mean she's seven for twenty-three lifetimes, so she's obviously a she, like you said she's hickory for sure. Uh, and and let's, what about Safe Voyage? I I, I kind of viewed this one as uh, maybe a cut below, but I mean looking at his time form ratings, he he stacks up here with some of the best in this race. Yeah, his recent recent races definitely do. Um, he's a seven-year-old who's probably in the best form of his life, but, you know, if it's taken him five five racing seasons to accomplish that, I, I just kind of question whether he's of the class to uh, uh, to win a race of this caliber. I mean, I think the American contingent in this race is a pretty tough and deep this year, so uh, I, I, I would be against Safe Voyage. I think I agree with you. The one more I want to cover is Circus Maximus, and this is for uh... – Coolmore and uh, and Flaxman, who who both won their fair share of Breeders' Cup miles, and uh, trained by Aiden O'Brien. Uh, this horse looks like he's really out of form. Is there any chance for a form reversal here? I don't think so. He was my top pick in the mile last year, and he was pretty much shown to be a horse that doesn't have a really strong closing kick. And I think traditionally in a race like the Breeders' Cup mile, you, you really need to have that turn of foot. Uh, an acceleration and he he really doesn't have that uh his one win this year was in the queen Anne, which was on deteriorating ground at royal ascot and he had won over that track before at at that meeting last year but since then his form has kind of tailed off and yeah i i think his best shot was last year and uh, going into this edition i don't think he's in the right form to make him appealing yeah, I, th- I think we're kind of in agreement that the uh, the Americans might have the edge this year, possibly in the Breeders' Cup mile. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I believe I so. Can... <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, – let's go backwards to the Philly and Mare turf. I think this race is another one that's, uh, that's difficult. I want to talk about first uh, Peaceful, a three-year-old Philly uh, trained by Eden O'Brien, again, for the Coolmore gang. Uh, last start on heavy ground, she was nowhere in the Sun Chariot Stakes. That's a Grade One, and then before that, she finished second in the Matron Stakes. Uh, uh, doesn't it take a? It, it takes quite a bit for a three-year-old filly to compete against the older mares at this point in their career, don't you think? Uh, yeah, it takes a special one to beat them. Um, especially they are getting typically a three-pound weight advantage uh, because of the uh, age allowance, but yeah. You definitely need to step it up. I, I'm, I know Aiden O'Brien regretted enter or having run her in the Sun Chariot uh, with the heavy ground, um, and she really looked spent, you know, in the final quarter mile of the race. It looks like a toss out event to me. I was frankly more impressed with her form this past spring when she won the Thousand Guineas and nearly lost the French Oaks. Um, I, I packed her in the matron at Leopardstown coming back off a layoff and she was a decent second, but 
you know, she just didn't wow me with the performance. And I, I think among other uh, invaders coming into this race, I, I would put her a notch or two below the others. The four-year-old filly, Adaria, is the next one we want to talk about. She's the daughter of Wooten Bassett. And it looks like she's come to hand just at the right time. She finished third in the Prix de la Opera behind Tarnawa. And then prior to that, she was uh, she was a winner in a grade one at Deauville in August. Uh, I think uh, I think this is one that bears watching on Saturday, don't you? I do. I actually, uh, when I, I wrote a blog for Twin Spires a few days ago and mentioned her among some of the higher priced horses to watch. Um, now, she... C- the case could be made that she's been a little opportunistic and over her last few starts uh, on soft to heavy ground, winning the group one at Deauville, as you mentioned, that wasn't the overly distinguished field she was facing for, for the class level. Plus she was 47 to one that day, but she, yeah. she did win it well. And then, but I thought her effort in the opera against Tarnawa and Alpine star was really good, uh, you know, considering the, how good of a quality those two fillies are. So, I agree. She's coming into this race at the right time. And uh, if she can handle, you know, good ground as well as she does the the soft and heavy. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd th- definitely throw her in my uh, uh, wagers. Cayenne Pepper is another three-year-old filly. This one's by Australia, trained by Jessica Harrington. I think these are American connections here. The the owner is Sarah Kelly. I think, I think they're... Uh, they campaigned some American horses uh, in the previous years, uh, but this filly won the Blanford Stakes at, at the Curra, uh, won Open Links. Uh, maybe another one that's uh, uh, coming to hand at the right time, and maybe just a cut below. Um, I, I think she's got a chat, shot to win this. Um, her form lines are very good. Um, she faced magical back in late june in the pretty poly stakes and i mean magical had that field over a barrel really i mean there was nothing uh there wasn't a whole lot of depth to that field but you know cayenne pepper being a three-year-old and that being her three-year-old debut i think losing only by four and a half lengths to magical is an excellent performance and then she ran second in the irish oaks and then she ran into Tarnawa and finished within two lengths of her in a group three at, uh, at Cork. So uh, I, I, she brings in excellent form lines uh, into this race. And yeah, I think her, she definitely has to be considered among the, the top invaders in this race. I'd like to see her odds on that. I mean, I, that's going to be fun to see, but Vance, if I could add one thing, you know, from an American standpoint, I actually got to see Harvey's little coil. Uh, do her last work at Churchill, and I was blown away. We were there watching our our Philly run, and uh, I mean, she towered over the rest that day on definitely the gallop out. I mean, she was full of it. So, just a little tip, uh, you know, from the American side of things. <laughs> All right, let's talk about. Uh, here's a Philly I'm interested in is Terabellum for John Gosden and Godolphin. Uh, maybe you, you throw out the last race at Newmarket. That 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 might have legged her up for a big run here. Uh, two starts or three starts ago, she ran second to Circus Maximus when that horse was in form at Royal Ascot in the Queen Anne Stakes. So uh, you, your thoughts on Terabellum? Yeah, I think she can be forgiven to some extent for that Sun Chariot. Like others, she probably didn't appreciate the, the sticky ground at Newmarket that day, and it was her first start in uh, nearly four months. It looks like so. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, it's almost kind of hard to know what to do with her really. Uh, 
she's been an excellent miler uh, this summer at Ascot and Newmarket. She did win over a mile and a quarter in the Dahlia first out this season. So, yeah, uh, um, yeah, she 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 would uh, definitely be in my exotics plans if I was going a little bit deeper. Uh, but as I mentioned just a little while ago, I think the American t- contingent in, in this race is going to be very tough and. Uh, we'll just have to see how she does here. Okay. Then one last filly we want to talk about. It looks like a filly that's going to draw into the race is Half Light uh, for Good Dolphin. And uh, you know, she's finished second in her last three starts. Two of them were grade ones. Uh, uh, any uh, any thoughts before we before we move on on, on Half Light? Only that I've kind of heard a rumor or two in the last few days that she actually isn't going to uh, oh. ship over. So. Oh. Uh, I you don't don't hold that to me, but I've kind of heard uh, rumblings about that. So, uh, but just in a general quick comment on her, I think she's probably a cut below some of the others we've just talked about. So uh, I'll all just right. leave it. I'll leave that there. All right. So uh, all right, let's move on to uh, Friday's races. The uh, the two year old, uh, the future star Friday. Uh, and of course, that's uh, there's several euros in 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 all of these, well, in, on all the turf races, uh, Alan, uh, you have any thoughts on those or any questions for Vance on those, uh, those, those races? Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of those girls in these races. So we don't want to go over everyone and, and waste your time too much. But in the, uh, in the juvie turf, in the juvie turf, um, battlegrounds, right? O'Brien, it's by a uh, Warfront out of found who, who won the turf in 2016. I want to say, it was you, 2015 think, at Keeneland, actually. 2015, that's right. Do you do you think we could see a performance from him, something uh, akin to that massive turf pedigree? Do you think he figures in this spot? He absolutely figures. Um, I guess the main uh, issue I would have is he hasn't run since July 28th in the vintage at Goodwood. Um, so that that's a bit of an unusual layoff. I know he wasn't quite ready to make some of his uh, fall targets uh, for Coolmore, but yeah, uh, if you go back and look at the replays of the Chesham at Royal Ascot and the Vintage, would you can see a very uh, professional-looking racehorse that looks really good, and I think he's got a potential to be a huge player in the English or Irish classics wherever Aiden wants to point him to. So, yeah. Good, good effort on on next weekend is certainly within the realm of possibility. Uh, it, it's just going to depend on his odds and how comfortable you are at playing a horse off such a long break. Yeah, and we, we go over the juvenile sprint, which a lot of times people kind of ignore this race. I think it's kind of interesting this year, I guess, because there's 13 Wesley War horses entered, or 15, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but Golden Pal in this race, um, she's bred top and bottom in this race. Uh, being by out of Lady Shipman, um, she got beat at Norfolk in the Norfolk. Um, should that defeat give anybody pause in this race, or it, could she be special enough to, to win this? Uh, is there any reason for that defeat at, 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 in the Norfolk? No, no. I, I think her uh, his return performance in the at Saratoga was super. He's got a lot of speed. Uh, you know, the awesome American speed has won both the, the past runnings of this race. So I would not hold the effort to ask it against him. You know, he that was his first time on turf. He was shipping from the United States. And the horse that beat him only narrowly was the Learjet, who is 
entered in the juvenile turf, and he was really good at that time in the spring. Right before winning the Norfolk, he had set a course record in his debut. So uh, that was a quality opponent at the time for Golden Pal. Uh, the Learjet's subsequent form hasn't panned out. I think he was kind of a, more of an early season precocious type, but uh, Golden Pal ran super in that in that race, and uh, I would expect him to be a very uh, solid and strong favorite to beat here. What about uh, the over under on how many uh, Wesley Ward horses actually go in the spot? What do you what do you put it at? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, some of them, I think, are fairly deep on the AE list, I think. Uh, oh, man. It's I'm going to say four. Three. I'd say three. <laughs> three. All right. <laughs> what the heck? I don't know. How about you, CC? What do you got for uh, on the Friday card for Mr. Hansen here? What I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about, uh, I went back and watched the Dewhurst Stakes and a horse named Devil Walla that went off 100 to 1. Thought he ran a really brave race on the on the front end there. What are your thoughts on this horse? He's probably a cut below, but on the other hand, you know, I, I, I I'm going to use him regardless. What are your thoughts on Devil Walla versus a horse like Cadillac? Cadillac is probably going to be a lower lower price than Devil Walla, but uh, 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 Cadillac finished behind the horse in the uh, Dewhurst Stakes. Yeah, of the two, I would have to go with Cadillac for a rebound performance. I think Cadillac's uh, form lines are just better in general. Um, go, I mean, if you look at Cadillac's form lines, uh, he, in the Futurity Stakes at the Curra, he was beaten a half length to Max Swinney, who just last weekend won the uh, Vertem, Group 1 Vertem Trophy at Doncaster. And then two start in the race before the Dewhurst uh, in the Group 2 at the Leopardstown Cadillac, won by, that by three and a half lengths over Van Gogh, and Van Gogh went on to win a group one in France uh, last weekend as well. So um, uh, I think Cadillac was probably not done well, perhaps by the state of the ground. It was probably a little soft. He, he runs well on soft, but that was probably a bit softer than even he would like uh, in the Dewhurst. So I, I would kind of expect him to run a better effort and he's a horse to watch, I think in the upper single digits, as far as the odds, uh, devil Walla was, uh, second three back in the gym crack, which is, um, a six furlong race normally, uh, uh, caters to sprinters, sprinters and precocious types, but then he didn't run so well in the mill reef at Newbury and before the Dewhurst. So I, I just think he has a little bit more, uh, form to find than Cadillac. All right, Vance, before we let you go, and this has been really, really a, a good listen for me. I could listen. You talk about these horses all day. But uh, before we let you go, do you have any other thoughts on uh, any, you know, any standouts for you at uh, Breeders' Cup 2020 at Keeneland this year, Euro or non-Euro, or Euro or American? Is, is there anything that you're going to be looking at? Um, it's Yeah, I, I think the two horses I, I would be excited to – take a look at it uh, you know high single digit odds closing odds uh one of them is Alexandra in the turf sprint i think historically this race caters to horses that are course and distance specialists and she's one of the four top players as far uh, with with those credentials uh she hasn't run since the jiper uh back in june at belmont which she where she beat the boys but uh, this race has often fallen to a horse that comes in really fresh. We, we know she likes the course, having won the Franklin County last year. 
Um, I think she might wind up being a sort of a wise guy pick perhaps as the week goes on. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give her a look over horses like Imprimis and uh, Got Stormy in the turf sprint. And I think another horse I'd be very interested in looking at is Dom, Tom Stata in the, in the classic. Uh, he's the, the last race in the Whitney at Saratoga is an obvious toss out uh, considering uh, his poor start in that race. We know he loves Keeneland. Uh, he's done pretty much everything right outside uh, uh, over the last 12 months outside of the, the Whitney performance. And uh, I just think he's going to take a lot less money than the Baffert uh, horses there and tis the law. So I think those two probably are what some of my key plays next weekend for the win end on top of like uh, turn as well as Tarnawa, who I mentioned earlier. So I'm probably leaning toward Tom's data as well in the classic. My biggest concern, I assume you don't have any concerns at all about the horse going 10 furlongs. No, no. uh, The horse is so adaptable. I mean, if he lays up closer to the pace than I would, even I would expect, uh, or, you know, maybe is a little too fresh and gets, sucked into a hot pace or whatever yeah i mean that uh, i guess that's always something you have to think about but this horse is so versatile he can run pretty much anywhere from anywhere and win and he came from way off the pace in the oakland mile earlier this year so a mile and a quarter presents no problems to me in my opinion okay all right well uh guys uh, any questions for vance you better, you better get him out now because we won't see him this week the rest of the week yeah, the, uh, the 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 turf sprint as you mentioned a moment ago. I, I like Alexandra a lot in there too. The horse is special. You a little concerned that there's not as much pace in the turf sprint as there usually is. Uh, so will will those closers, those deep closers in the race, have something to truly run at, or do you think it won't make any difference? Uh, it could potentially make a difference if memory serves. You know, it, the speed held up pretty well when Lady Shipman nearly lost a. Uh, uh, five years ago over that course. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I guess to be honest, I haven't uh, dug deep into the race as closely as that. And I, perhaps I should have already recognized that, uh, you know, the pace scenario that she would need and others would need might not necessarily be there. So, uh, Oh, she's, she's, uh, she's legit. It's, it's just, there's not the blazing speed it to me that there is usually in a turf sprint race, whatever, but, uh, uh, yeah, she's, she's definitely not going to see those jiper like, or she probably won't see those jiper like fractions. You know, twenty one and change, forty four and change. So, um, but sometimes class wills out. Yeah, in, in those kind of situations, and 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 the course conditions also going to play a part too. I, I I tend not to love speed on on wet ground, and we really don't know yet how much the course is going to dry out over the course of this week so it it's a play-by-ear kind of approach but uh at the the odds i think she's still worth a long look give me a give me a play against so give me somebody you just like and not for me that everybody else is going to be on what do you think i mean it's still too early in the week but anybody like jump on jump off the jump off the page for you um you know, I probably had some in my mind before. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, Gamine might be overbet in the Philly and Mare sprint a little bit. I, I think 
I think losing the Oaks was probably the best thing for her because her connections obviously rightly determine that she's more of a one turn star than a two than a two turn horse. So uh, yeah, she's definitely in the right spot here. But you know, there's some other quality horses in here, and you, you just never know how she's going to handle pressure from. Um, you know, from the likes of Serengeti Empress. So this is going to be a very t- difficult challenge for her. The race isn't terribly deep top to bottom, but, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of, uh, what is she going to be, eight to five, nine to five? You know, yes. could be could be a play against. I'm with you there. Okay, Brandon. Brandon with, with, yeah. with, with COVID and the restrictions and things, are, are you attending both days at the track and, I heard it's really even hard. I mean, we were talking to a jockey, or I was on the backside of Churchill the other day, and they said that he only gets two tickets and one ticket he has to use, and he has a mount, you know, that day. (laughs) So uh, do you have big plans, or or with COVID, have they been kind of different? Yeah, unfortunately, um, with the the corona pandemic, uh, Breeders' Cup has been really, has really tightened up on the issuance of, media credentials and unfortunately i was not fortunate enough to be on the list to receive one so i'll be working off-site uh doing re- race recaps and playing the races throughout both days so uh, which is unfortunate i don't get to go to the breeders cup uh, often enough and then this one is in my backyard so unfortunately i'll miss it but uh, hopefully when it's back here in a couple of years i'll uh, be back in my uh, spot in the auxiliary press box all right yeah and uh, we'll be following you on Twitter for sure. And a lot of our fans, hopefully, you know, you'll be putting some plays out there that we can all follow along and get more follows and likes. That's right. That's right. I'll, I'll be sure to be putting out uh, a few handicapping blogs at the at Twin Spires uh, late in the week after entries and post positions are drawn. Cool. Thank you. All right. Well, Vance, we've taken up uh, enough of your time. Uh, we, we greatly, greatly appreciate you uh, spending some time with us, and uh, we wish you the best of luck on Friday and Saturday and hope you pick a bunch of winners, okay? Same to you guys. Have a, have a great uh, Breeders' Cup weekend, and thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Vance. All right. That's Thank Vance you. Hansen. Vance Hansen, everybody. Okay, that was Vance Hansen, everybody. Uh, very, very pleased that he joined us, and I think uh, we learned a lot there, guys. Oh my God! Yeah, that's a, he is encyclopedic in his knowledge of uh, foreign racing, and if anybody plays a Breeders' Cup, that I hope they listen because that is some uh, fantastic information going forward. Uh, you, you have to use his uh, his uh, knowledge there. Yeah, his 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 actual influence over over these Euros. I mean, I, I really took to listen, and I'm going to mark a lot of them uh, as, as possible A's and, and for sure some B's in there too. All right, so let's move on to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, this is the Super Bowl of horse racing. This is the outside of Kentucky Derby Day. This is the event we all look forward to, and it starts on Friday now. Uh, in the early days, it was a seven-race event, and they've added races along the way, and now you know now we're up to two days. And Friday's card, the Breeders' Cup starts with race six. We're not going to cover the first five races. But they've got five races on the uh, late late card, all all million dollar plus events, and we're gonna kick it off. Well, first of all, let's talk about uh, 
Let's talk about Breeders' Cups of old. Guys, uh, why don't you chime in with uh, maybe some some memories of uh, some some Breeders' Cup wagers gone by. Alan, why don't you start? What what, what was your best uh, wager or best selection in uh, in, in your Breeders' Cup career? Well, uh, oof. I've been fortunate in, in fairness. I mean, I've had, I've had years I've been blank, but I've, I've actually pegged some good bombs over the years. I'm sure a lot of people have, I and mean, you've got to play that way in these races, but off the top of my head, uh, I'm sure you remember pleasant home, pleasant home for Shug McGahee, uh, went the distaff at 30 to one. Uh, that was, that was a big one for me. I, I, as I recall, you tabbed that horse three weeks before the race, and and she was she went off thirty to one that day, and I, you know, yeah, of course and, I and she looked you. like a winner at the top of the stretch. I mean, she destroyed that field, and yeah, I can't remember why, but I remember I remember we were on that pretty early. Didn't uh, she run in the Spinster prior yes, to that? I think she ran a, against slow fractions in the Spinster or something, whatever it was, and came in a good second or third. And I just thought the horse was built to go a one turn mile or one turn mile and a. Because I want to say it was at Belmont that year. I might be wrong, but Pleasant Home was a good one. I had Dome Driver, Dome Driver winning the uh, the mile back in the early 2000s was a really good one. Uh, off the top of my head, I think she, I think he beat Rocket Gibraltar, the heavy favorite that day. We were was on him. Uh, Desert Code, remember Desert Code winning the uh, the turf sprint? I have fond memories of Desert Code. The big, big almost 40 to one. I remember. Uh, that was a good one. So there's been a few good long shots. There's been a few. I remember the Cat Thief year. Uh, I got blanked at Gulfstream. That was a rough year, but usually things go fairly well. Um, it, it's a fun card. There's a lot of money made, and it's it's why you tell people these things. The overlays, if you even want to call them overlays, with uh, with these horses, really really good horses go off twenty and thirty to one. It's and it's a fine line between being a six to one shot and a thirty to one shot, and a little bit of overlooking by the public and you've had a nice day. You've had a nice day. Right. Well, yeah, you, I'd, I'd say both the Friday and Saturday cards of breeders cup. I mean, if you, if you're betting based on odds and where money has been moving to, I think in the end of the day, you're going to end up losing a lot of money because it, it, there always seems to be a lot of wise, you know, different horses, different angles that the public just didn't see coming. Uh, I'll never forget Dennis's moment not getting out of the gate, and I mean it must have been the biggest dime super I've ever seen a, a neighbor of mine hit. I mean it was like thousands of dollars because Dennis's moment was like two to five, mm-hmm. and everybody just thought that horse was going to romp. I hear that horse is back to jogging again and, and posted a workout I saw the other day. But that's like, uh, you know, it, it can be at some crazy days. So if you feel in your gut, even it's hard to say, like Alan said to be on a 30 to one shot, even two or three weeks out before a race. But if you are stick with it, don't get influenced by the tote. Amen. You know, it's the best day out of all the days that if you are going to catch a shot, any of these horses can really win on their best day. And they're all poised to do that, you know, both on Friday and Saturday, you know, kind of my most memorable moment, I guess it was really recently was, uh, when Sarah and I attended the last Breeders' Cup here at Churchill Downs when Audible won the Classic, but underneath came Gunavera, and and thank goodness Gunavera did because it was Sarah's horse she picked, and I think that horse was like 45-50 to one to come into second. I think maybe Yoshida was third, uh, something like that. I don't remember second and, or third and fourth because I was getting my butt kicked all day, <laughs> and then that came home. And I mean, literally, it, it was an unbelievable way to finish a, a great day. 
And then another memorable moment was just being out, seeing Zenyatta run at Churchill Downs in her last race, and to lose by to blame by that by that nose bob. That and and it was the coldest Breeders' Cup or coldest race I've ever sat outside, you know, to witness. It was all day, and man, when the lights got low down there and the sun went down, I mean, it was just incredibly cold. I won't forget mm-hmm. how cold I was. But uh, you know, last year I even I had a great. Uh, I did very good. I think it was the middle pick four of Saturday. It was a couple thousand dollars. I hit it. and You and I, I hit know, one like, together. We, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we split one and, and hit it. It was like 1700 or something like that. Middle yeah, of- we, we had that too when we were running around. And I mean, I had a great time last year. And I'm poised to kind of repeat this coming year. So I'm excited about our podcast Sweet. in the next couple of days. I know right. CC's, got a, CC's got some good ones. He might be leaving that out. You know, I remember, I remember midshipman CC. I remember that. Well, yeah, I single midshipman, but I, I spread and I caught Desert Code and I hit the pick four that year. That's back when they had dollar minimums. Yeah, um, that was a big you know, one. That, that, that paid good. The, the, the ones I'm thinking of are the ones I missed. I picked Caraconti out in the post parade. That horse was beautiful. Ooh. And I liked him because he had Sunday Silence blood. And I, I was playing a lot of trifectas back then, and I didn't spread wide enough in third, and I missed the uh, the trifecta. I paid like three or four thousand dollars. And you know, that, those are the kind that uh, I think I remember more than the hits. So, but and I had uh, the last time the cup was at Keeneland. I I liked Teppin, and I didn't. And again, I didn't catch a, a second or third place finisher in my try. So, th- those uh, you you gotta you gotta bring those home. If you're yeah. gonna have a, a good uh, a good day, but uh, let's let's move on to Friday. Let's talk about these uh, these future star Friday horses, and we're gonna lead off with the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprints, a million dollar race, five and a half furlongs on the Keeneland Turf Course, and the favorite took the worst of it in the draw. That's number fourteen, Golden Pal, eight to five on the morning line for Wesley Ward. This horse probably. Uh, is going to vie for maybe the, the one of the shortest price horses on the on either day. Uh, mm-hmm. Now drawing the 14 hole might might hurt a little bit, might uh, help the price. Uh, Alan, let's let's start with you. Do you like anything in here? Uh, you know, it's you'd like to kind of uh, focus on Golden Pal. Golden Pal probably is going to is going to be tough. Then then you say yourself the 14 hole going five furlongs. That's that's way out there with a fairly short run to the to the turn i still think the horse is probably going to win it just feels like this horse might be special but you know because of that i've got to look elsewhere for prices that's just the way i am uh i've looked over this field there's a couple possibilities but the one i keep coming back to maybe i think maybe cowan can maybe get in there into the superfect as your horse you might want to use underneath i really like the way he closed it keen last time against a weak field uh, but uh, that's just something I would use underneath. I I kind of intrigued by an end of the sunrise, one of the other many other Wesley Ward horses turning back from a a mile and a sixteenth Rafa Bay Hirano. Uh, yeah, usually I don't like the, these two year old races turning back. You don't see that often in two year old races. But Wesley must think this horse showed something last time. He's up against Muta Sabek, who was just unbelievable that day. I thought it was actually a pretty good race run fourth by three. The shortening back up. Uh, his speed figures going a sprint distance uh, they actually compare pretty well with these he took the the blinkers off last time so the race prior to that it would bind against Gretzky the great who's got a big chance 
later on in the day. Just missed it six and a half. This guy's going five today if you're getting some route in him. I'm willing to try that one uh, at, at 15 to one. Yeah, right. I'm look. I'm looking a little different. You know, I, I, I'm not going with the favorite at all. I think this horse, to me, I mean, could win out. But I tell you, on, on any type of turf sprint with two-year-olds, if any horse is betting even money, I might cover it if it's a pick three or a double. I probably wouldn't even play a double. I'd play a, a pick four if this is the start of a pick four or have it within my sequence. I don't think I'd even cover that horse. Uh, I'm really looking at two, most notably, Bodenheimer and Dirty Dangle. I think both yeah. have got a big, big, big shot. <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> and, you know, the, despite their names. But, um, you know, so I, I always like outside and turf sprints. I, I don't think I like the 14 hole because they got to come over so fast. I will give my hat to Wesley Ward. Every one of his horses that break out of the gate break better than anybody yeah. else. Oh, yeah. I, I do think you got to have a Wesley Ward, though, uh, if, if you're going to spread in this race. And even look at Christoph Clement's Momos. Uh, you know, and I, I, I would definitely kudos to Cowan as well. I don't know anything about the Euros too much. I, I, I don't see what I want to see in those those guys. I do see Ryan Moore taking one of the mounts for Aiden O'Brien. That's always kind of dangerous. But I think, I think we're going to be mid-pack here, cover a couple Wesleys and spread. But I'm going with Bodenheimer and Dirty Dangle. Let me ask you something, Brandon. Do you feel like Dirty Dangle could get hung way out there from the 12th post? Or no, I mean, <laughs> this horse has got uh, he's got a lot of speed. Uh oh. Oh. that. I'm... <laughs> but you know, no. Tony, though, Keep going. you know about the you know about the Golden Pal. This is the yeah. only horse that has worked t- Keeneland turf like repeatedly. Yeah. And there's not one sign besides one early in October that this horse was live. The rest of yeah. it just looked to be long, long maintenance. This horse hasn't raced in over two months. I, I think you can beat her. Yeah, this horse is com- that- completely bred to run on the turf by Uncle Moab out of a really, really good uh, turf spinner, Lady Shipman. But she's going to have to be really, really good to win from the 14 hole. So, yep. Well, what about you, CC? Like we talked about with uh, Michelle Lovell in the last podcast, uh, Mongolian Saturday won the Breeders' Cup turf sprint from the 14 hole. So I think uh, Golden Pal probably is a standout here. This is the first probably. leg of the, late, uh, of the late pick five. And I think if I do play it, I'm going to single Golden Pal because it's either that or a bunch of them because I don't, I think they're all about the same. I was impressed with Cowan's late run in the uh, stake at Keeneland, but. Uh, you know, he's going to have to deal with a lot of traffic if he tries to come from behind again. So, for me, it's Golden Pal. Okay. Uh, let's go to race seven, which is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. It's one mile. It's a two-turn one uh, one mile, and it's a million dollars for the Colts and Geldings this time. And it looks like at five to one. Mutasa Beck is the early morning line favorite for Todd Pletcher and Luis Saez, and we talked about him uh, just a minute ago. He he comes off of a really, really impressive victory in the Bourbon Stakes, and that was at Keeneland going a mile and 16. Now he turns back. Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. There is uh, 
there's a lot of ways to go here. I think this this race is wide open. I I think. Uh, uh, what what do you do with Mutasa back? I, his figures are slow. Uh, we fade this horse. This is a spread race for you or what? No, I'm not. I I I am gonna have to spread. Uh, I can't toss this horse out of Shadwell Stable. Uh, I think there's too many pluses to hear. Todd Fletcher into mischief. Everything's right. A big Keeneland win already. So you got experience at Keeneland. Uh, you know, that's hard. That's going to be hard. But I like this Euro, the Cadillac. Hope you like caddies because I think Cadillac's going to be flying. So I'm very interested in this horse a lot, uh, especially after Vince and, and the discussion we had. Uh, and then I'm coming outside to Gretzky the Great like we were talking about. I think this horse has got tremendous upside. I like seeing Tyler Gaffleon taking them out. Uh, the workouts at Woodbine are incredible. Uh, did get pushed a little bit October 10th, but the 17th and then uh, the 29th were really fast, very strong. And I love the Nyquist sire. I mean, Nyquist sires and the Colts and the Phillies, he has been on fire, absolute fire for two-year-olds. So that, that's where I'm going to go in this race. Uh, I do have to cover a few few horses, but uh, you know what's scary to me is is we got to really think about track bias, especially the turf. I think here's I hear it's gonna be it's gonna be good on Friday. It's not drying out the way they think it is. They're, they're probably gonna be labeled good on Friday, is what I've read. Man, I think it's gonna be almost like yeah, oh yeah, definitely good, but but firm. I think we're gonna get yeah. firm maybe by Saturday, but uh, if not on Friday, and if it's firm. These horses are going to fly. So I'm going to look to not play many closers. But I tell you, Friday's going to t- be, be the big telltale uh, as to how that the track is really playing. Because it is taking moisture overnight with the frost and, and dew. But, um, I mean, we just got to pay attention to that. And if you remember during the summer uh, or the fall, whenever you know, when they were racing out there, they were setting record times, man, on that turf. So uh, I think it's going to be very speed favoring if, if it's comes in as well as it will all right alan let's go to you um you know i, I was blown away by mutasa beck's last performance at keeneland uh i was actually a little lukewarm on the horse that day i was kind of wondering why he was favored bet the way he was i saw after after the i mean he this cold just blew him off the track down a stretch does cut back to mile six, uh, to a mile if you you can look you can look at the the push button movie made at the top of the stretch i don't think the losing that 16th of a mile is going to hurt. I, I'm going to make him my tepid top, uh, top selection. I, when I saw that he was entered in this race, which I assumed he would be, I wanted to single him. I was that impressed by the race. As I look at the race, it's it's a lot harder to want to do that. Cause I think uh, the aforementioned shot, battleground for Aiden O'Brien, uh, we mentioned earlier with the Vance, by Warfront out of the, the, the mayor that won the 2015 turf at Keeneland. I think you have to use consider both of those guys. I like this outside Euro, uh, Go Atletico, uh, quite a bit. Uh, I would also you've got you've got to consider Gretzky the Great as well. Uh, he's come off a hat trick of victories, and he could easily beat the puck out of these horses. So uh, <laughs> at the end, at, oh my god, <laughs> it's it's going to be a long it's going to be a long podcast. I'm going to warn you. I'm feeling good today. Uh, but that said. I think the way I'm going to look at the race is take Mutasa back top and bottom in the exact and maybe with some of those horses I just mentioned. But I can't leave Mutasa back out after the way he ran last time. So, But I do think the race is one of the better races of, of the uh, Breeders' Cup program. 
I'm taking a price here. Well, he's not he, he's not that far off the favorite, but uh, I like number eight out of door for Wesley Ward. Yeah. Uh, this is strictly a thoroughbred play. He ran the fastest fig in the race, and I've always liked this horse anyway. I thought he, um, I liked him at Kentucky Downs. Of course, he went off nine to five, but he beat a horse named Fauci, and uh, that, that, another Wesley, a highly highly touted Wesley Ward runner, and then behind that was Cowan, who's going to be one of the favorites in the juvenile turf sprint or one, one of the. Uh, he'll take some action anyway. And then prior to that, he, he, he looked super impressive winning at uh, Saratoga, breaking his maiden. The only thing I don't know about, uh, Arad Ortiz rode this horse in his first two starts, and now Jose takes over. Arad is riding public sector for Chad Brown, and that horse is, you know, he's going to be one of the ones as well. He's, he's one, for two li- one for two lifetime with a second, and the second place finish was in uh, graded stakes. But uh, out of door is going to be a, a single for me. I, some type of play. Ooh, pick I like pick it. Four. Yeah, I love I think, it. I yeah, love I mean, it. this is the type of horse. You know, if you can if you can land him yes. and then spread out in the other legs, you might you might catch something. So five figures. Uh, yeah, for me, it's uh, out of door uh, in okay. the juvenile turf. Uh, let's go to race eight. This is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Two million dollars in a Grade One mile and sixteenth on the dirt for the two-year-old Phillies. Like I said. And the favorite here. All right, so we've got to uh, we got to discuss this horse. She's going to be she'll probably be the favorite. She's nine to five on the morning line. Princess Noor for Bob Baffert, undefeated in three starts, and she is at looked absolutely amazing mm-hmm. by the eye test. But she comes in slower than a lot of these. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, as a horse player, you're supposed to bet against these types. But, man, she's looked amazing on the track and just winning those three starts. Uh, Alan, let's go to you. Uh, how do you handle Princess Nor? Uh, this is a good race. I, I, I'm not a crazy about it from a betting standpoint because I'm, I like you. I'm not sure what to do with Princess Nor. Uh, I think if you like Prince, I mean, you've got to give tons of props to Kimnick Peak's uh, horse on the inside, Simply Ravishing. I, I think maybe the way I might approach the race is if Princess Nor is a real deal or if Simply Ravishing is simply a better horse than Princess Nor, play them both on top and perhaps uh, use Crazy Beautiful, who I don't think has any business being anywhere near 20 to 1, as an underneath key horse. Perhaps you do that, use Princess Nor and Simply Ravishing and put Crazy Beautiful 2, 3, 4 uh, behind him in the exotics. But uh, you're right, Princess Nor has looked fantastic. The competition has been kind of eh. The numbers are kind of eh, whereas Simply Ravishing has done absolutely nothing wrong. And even once you get to those two, there's still a lot, a lot of other ways you can go. Vequis, Day Out of the Office, uh, Girl Daddy. A lot of these horses are very impressive. you got to narrow it down somewhere. So the way I will approach is, is I will probably use Crazy Beautiful as an underneath key and then just hope I can have the winner on top. Brandon? Yeah, I'm, I'm going uh, Simply Ravishing on the rail. I don't necessarily, I don't think the rail is all that bad at Keeneland. I like to see this horse do pretty well and, and, and will definitely be on the pace, I think, early uh, and, and challenging with Bequist. Those are really my two best plays. I think Dad of the Office is very well touted, done very well thus far. I, I just, you know, has had, got good, good trips, though, the last time at Belmont. So I'm thinking, uh, and like, like again, Nyquist and, and the sire of Bequist, I, I want to make those two plays. I think you can also watch for Girl Daddy, but you know Princess Nor, uh, you know like 
like CC said, I mean, the speed fish are a lot slower than everybody else, but Bob Baffert's going to have this one dialed up, and it's a $1.3 million horse. So, and not this time, not this time, ran second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and these not this time uh, babies have just run out of their minds. So uh, it's, it's going to be, be tough. Hard. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, for me, yeah, I think I think maybe on the main tickets, I'm going to use Princess Noor and Girl Daddy. I think Girl Daddy has has a major move forward in uh, in store. She she ran big on debut and, and she was highly touted. I think Dale Romans thinks a whole lot of this filly, and then she she came right back and and won a stakes race on uh, Derby Week, uh, winning that uh, Pocahontas Stakes, uh, going the uh, the one turn mile. I, and she's had you know two months to work with now. I, I have a feeling that, you know, we're going to see a, a major move forward from her. And, and if she does, she's going to be tough to beat here. And like I said, Princess Nord probably is better than her speed figures indicate. Yeah. Uh, she's never been asked in any of her starts. And, you know, I, I, and it's Baffert. So I, I got a feeling that uh, she's going to she's be uh, tough to handle here. And then, you know, of course, your bees are going to be simply ravishing and Vequist and day out of the office. And I think, like you said, Alan, uh, crazy beautiful is being overlooked at 20 to one. So I think, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want this race to knock me out, but I think I'm going to concentrate on girl daddy and princess nor. All right. So let's talk about race number nine. This is the breeders cup juvenile Phillies turf. Again, a two turn mile on the grass for two year old Phillies and a tepid favorite here. Number five, Aunt pearl for Brad Cox. And ridden by Florent Giroux, she's undefeated in the two starts. Last seen winning the Jessamine Stakes. Uh, Brandon, uh, I know you haven't. You're probably suffering from withdrawals. You haven't had a chance to talk about Brad Cox lately. <laughs> uh, we talked about that. <laughs> take take a sip of that Brad Cox Kool Aid and tell me who you like. Yeah, it's going to be Brad for sure. Uh, I'm leaning to that horse. We've seen that horse in the morning. I do think though a wild card in this in this uh, in this race. I mean, these are awesome horses. I mean, I can't wait to see it. But uh, definitely in Pearl. I've always loved Plum Ali or Plum Ali, however they pronounce it. Christoph Kamont. I, I mean, he was on fire up in Saratoga. I, I think he could have a he, – he should get one of these these races at some point. Uh, but I'm going to lean outside, all the way outside, to editor at large for Chad Brown. It's Chad Brown. He's been – I know he's like the the leading trainer and stuff up in Saratoga, Belmont, but he has been real quiet here in Churchill and Kentucky. And I think it's because his strings aren't the A strings that he normally brings. So I think editor at large is, is a big wise guy play that I'm going to be watching. Uh, ran against Plum Ali before, uh, didn't do terrible, uh, had, had a pretty long path coming home and just kind of a short getting home, uh, from that last race, the miss, I don't know what that, that, that stake race was called, but Grillo. Of course, yeah, yeah, shows a lot of speed early. So I hope uh, we see editor at large underneath. All right, Alan. Okay. This, uh, I think Ann Pearl could be very, very difficult to beat in here. I love the way she's just uh, commanded. Uh, the lead uh, commanded the pace throughout in the first two starts. I think the horse obviously figures. I'm going with Campanelle for Wesley Ward, though. I believe can't. I believe this horse might be special. 
uh, earlier in the year, if you recall, Wesley Ward's Gulfstream two-year-old contingent was struggling. Even uh, Golden Powell got beat at Gulfstream. That was not the case with Campanelle. Campanelle blew him off the track in his first start while Green went 55-3 and three going going five furlongs was clear. They take him to Ascot, beats the Phillies in a grade two, then beats the males in a group one. Uh, I think they're probably pointing for this spot. He gets Frankie DeTore stretching out to a mile. I believe he is, we're at a mile here yet. Uh, I don't think it's any problem. This horse is slightly stretched out all three starts. He's undefeated. I think Stone Street's got a good one here. And I would be tempted to single Campanelle because in that, in that debut, by the, I would also add she beat another Wesley War horse, Royal Approval, who uh, was nine lengths clear a third, and that horse has come back to be a stakes winner. So give me give me Campanelle on the spot. A lot of respect for Aunt Pearl and possibly a couple of the other Euros, but you got to take a stand somewhere. I'll take a stand with Ward and Campanelle. This is a spread race for me. I, I don't have a real opinion here. I, I will mention, well, Plum Ali and Aunt Pearl probably would lead my my selections, but uh, I do want to give some love to the 12-horse Spanish love affair for Mark Cassie. I don't care for the post, but she she ran okay in her last start, and she's improved every single start. She's a half-sister to a filly named uh, Spanish Queen who won two stakes races and, and was fast doing it. So I think uh, I think she's worth a look at fifteen to one. I think uh, that those odds are about right. So I uh, you know I would I would definitely consider using that one. But uh, you know if if you had a gun to my head, I'd say Plum Ali would be the my selection. But uh, I think this could be cut several different ways. And we're going to wrap up Friday with the big race, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, two million dollars a mile and sixteenth on the dirt course and. Heavy, heavy favorite here. Number seven, Jackie's Warrior, who's undefeated in four starts and comes off a blowout victory in the Champagne Stakes at the one-turn mile at Belmont. I think the uh, the question he needs to answer here is is the uh, going two turns for the first time. He's a son of McLean's Music, who you would normally think would be a sprinter, uh, sprint-producing sire. He, he did sire uh, cloud computing to win the Preakness Stakes a few years ago. He'd be Classic Empire. Uh, Jackie's warrior is going to take a lot of beating here, but, uh, Alan, uh, can we beat him? Yeah, you, you probably can beat him. Uh, you know, I, I went, this reminds me of the distaff. I go back and forth in my head. Who I don't want to take on top. I, I'd have to give an, a, a slight edge to Jackie's warrior. I usually like taking the two turn, two turn horse in a race like this, but I mean, this horse really has never had to take a breath during his races. Uh, this, you know, the stretch out is a concern with a horse like Essential Quality, who would be my alternate pick in here, like a lot of people. Uh, I, I, you make me choose. I'm, I'm going to take Jackie's Warrior. Pure speed. Uh, I, I don't see anything to make me think that the horse will not get uh, the eight and a half furlongs. I mean, he's, reinvestment risk was one of the hotter horses at, at Saratoga this past uh, this past season, and Jackie's Warrior handled uh him easily on both occasions so there's some nice young horses in here maybe they're not ready to beat a horse of this caliber yet the two mcpeak horses on the rail camp hope and king fury just won at churchill going two turns two weeks ago and they both show up in this spot seems like it might be a little quick for them but if you look at those late pace figures 104 for camp hope in his first start 106 for king fury um they could maybe sneak into the super factory trying to make some money but 
uh, I'll go with Jackie's Warrior slightly over essential quality. All right, Brandon, go and pick this Brad Cox horse so we can get it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think there's a single for me on the card, but, you know, Jackie's Warrior does look very tough. You know, it's scary. I mean, these two-year-olds, the Camp Hope and the King Fury, you don't know what they're going to do, especially Camp Hope. And so I was thinking about that for a while as I was handicapping this race, and then I go, you know, why why do they show up here? You know, this Baffert horse has only had one start. Now look at the ownership. SF Racing, Starlight Racing, Mattaquette Stables. And, you know... (laughs) I'll take a price any day. I would take this horse. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this as my B horse. I'm gonna I'm gonna just go too deep. Jackie's warrior and class here. I did not go back and look at this replay of uh, the win on the October 24th. It's funny. It's same. It's the same day as or nearly the same day as these other uh, Kim McPete won uh, winning horses on their first tries out. Or I, I'm sorry, King Fury's already had a couple, tries, but. Uh, but Camp Hope, you know, being a 30 to 1, I mean, it's just sneaky McPete. But I, I, I'm going to probably just, Jackie's Warrior is going to be tough to beat. Yeah, I think so too. Jackie's nope. Warrior kind of reminds me of Uncle Mo. Uh, so yeah, years, I agree. Right? He just, he's so fast. The, the, the numbers are, are incredible. And you just don't see two year olds run that fast. And, and like last time, he, you know, he was eased up at the wire. So. I think you know, there's probably more in the tank. The only way that he gets beat maybe is if they go with him early and it's just a suicidal speed duel early. And, you know, that's certainly possible. The the, the Cox horse uh, essential quality might actually try to put some pressure on him early. So that, you know, that would be interesting to see what would happen there. As for underneath, I think a horse that you might want to keep an eye on is keep me in mind. Uh, we saw Robertino Diodoro. Whoa. Uh, he, what he, he, I think he ran maybe 16, 17 horses at Keeneland in October, and and all but three hit the board. And this was one of them. He was rolling and, uh, too. He was rolling yeah, down a lane. And the the Keeneland clocker uh, caught him with uh, Dreamer's disease, and and he really liked keep me in mind. So I think this horse uh, might be worth a look underneath it. Uh, and I'm sure they'll they'll overlook him because he's a maiden. But uh, uh, you know maybe if you if you can get Jackie's Warrior home. Maybe go Jackie's Warrior with all would keep me in mind, and Jackie's Warrior would keep me in mind with all again, you know, so yeah, or something uh, like that. And one uh, quick, one quick note on that: uh, he goes from David Cohen, who's the usual rider, and uh, he he sees fits put Jose Ortiz on him today. So that is something to as well keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> and then you know the the other one I might consider uh, to maybe clunk up for part would be sitting on go at 12 to one on the morning line. He's, he's undefeated in two starts and he really improved from start to one or between starts one and two. And, um, I think, uh, I think he's got a shot to, to get part and Dale Romans does well with these juveniles. Uh, so, you know, he'll, he'll come running late, but, uh, that wraps up the card. Uh, before we go guys, uh, Alan, why don't you give me your, of the five, races we covered give me your best bet and your best long shot oh okay let me scroll back through here folks if you don't mind your best, uh, best. let's say your best value bet and your best long shot to, to maybe hit the board or something like that okay um well 
best long shot to hit the board. Well, it's kind of cheesy because I would because there's a seven horse race, but I'll take Crazy Beautiful to hit the board. Uh, the horse was too close to the pace last time. Chase is simply ravishing. He lays back today. I think he's going to pass a few horses, or she is. I would also throw in, uh, in uh, the horse I mentioned earlier, Into the Sunrise, for Wesley Ward in the opener. Uh, 15-1 to could, could get a little piece of that. The best bet, um, yeesh, I would – can I call it a – well, Jackie's Warrior. Jackie's Warrior, we, bought, we toss it back. Good deal. What about, what about you, Brandon? Man, that's tough. But I'll tell you, I'm going to take a real big price when I'm spreading on race seven on the on the, the turf mile. Number 13, Devil Walla. I think this thing could, could do something. Big upset. It's been in a lot of challenging races in Great Britain. Uh, we'll get some distance to stretch out at. Uh, it's only won one race, and it was a pretty low level in, in Haddock Park. But they see something in this horse, and they keep shipping them. So, I mean, last time the, the, the horse's odds were 100 to 1 and came in fourth. And that's a $548,000 grade one. So this horse gave a big shot uh, and kind of was on the pace, it seems like, through the, through the run line here. So you might find something on Devil Walla on the Breeders' Cup uh, one-mile turf. Then I'm going to say my best is is man this is hard <laughs> just say brad Probably, Cox. no i don't think he's got the best shot of him to, um, of, you know and pearl's really good but i you know that's it's it's hard to really focus that hard on uh there's a lot of really good what did you say in that race but i like uh i mean probably that my jackie's warrior all right. Well, for me, my best value play on the day is is out out the door. I think uh, my day might might hinge on that one a little bit. And then, like I said earlier, my best uh, long shot play would be keep me in mind to come running late. So that's a good one. That's a good one. So that's uh, that's all for Friday. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we will have uh, comprehensive Saturday coverage. Keep an eye out for the next podcast uh, and. Uh, that's uh we'll, we'll we'll shut her down right now and until next time this is cc broadus on behalf of alan schneider and brandon jaggers telling you that gambling money ain't got no home